so uh, Gerald didn't know I was going to do this. Uh, I had the privilege of sitting through Gerald's teaching last night, and um, all I kept thinking while I was sitting right down there was what a gift uh, he is to me and to this church. And uh, I just want to thank you for answering the call and uh, coming all the way up here from sunny Fort Wayne. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but we're super glad you're on the team. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking about uh, as I was sitting over there last night is how uh, our neighbors need to hear the message of Christ. And there are a lot of empty seats in here today. And I just want to tell you, invite your friends. Uh, they need to hear what you're about to hear uh, the same way that you need to hear it. And uh, so we are blessed to have communicators like G here. And uh, let's just bring our friends so that they can hear it. And I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just pray right now that you would just pour out your spirit. And Gerald, that he would just um, say the words that you have for him. I thank you so much for the gift he is to uh, this church, his family is. Thank you for uh, just how his family is thriving and just what a beautiful thing it is to observe. And I thank you for his partnership. Uh, there's nobody I'd rather be uh, locking arms with to do ministry here in this corner uh, than Gerald Coleman and his family. So thank you for him. And we just pray that you'll bless these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome Gerald. Amen. Thank you. Oh, man, you're going to have me crying here before I get into the message. Um, good morning, Grace fam. Uh, so good to be here. Uh, such a beautiful mosaic that I'm looking at. Uh, I love uh, worshiping here, love being here. Um, my family and I, we are grateful to be here. Um, all right, come on, boy. <laughs> um, it's... It is a gift to be here and to be a part of this family. I, I wish I could convey in words, but words are too small. Um, but I want you to know that my family and I, we have been blessed uh, to be a part of this body. So thank you for receiving us. Uh, thank you for introducing yourselves three or four times. I'm going to get it. <laughs> uh, be patient uh, with me. Uh, and I uh, love you guys. Thank you. Uh, uh, How many of you have been enjoying this Colossians series? Yeah, it's, I mean, every page of the Bible is rich and deep and full of wisdom, uh, but Colossians is a unique book, and I hope that you've had the opportunity to read through it again and again just to let it marinate, uh, let it seep into your being because there's so much richness there, and um, it really feels a little bit unfair that, you know, I get to wrestle with the passage for weeks and then I get come and give you a little bit <laughs> of what I've been wrestling with. And so I hope that you are wrestling with the scriptures uh, just as much so that you can get all of the richness that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. It's good stuff. So this morning, we will be looking at Colossians uh, chapter one, and we'll start reading in verse 24, and we'll read on through to the second chapter, and we'll stop at verse five. And I'm doing that because of context, but as you listen, as you read along, just open your heart, and uh, the Holy Spirit, he's already been at work. Um, and so I don't have to ask him to do anything more because he's doing his thing. 
And all we have to do is come with open hearts. So let's begin reading. Paul wrote, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Good stuff. So Colossians, as Pastor Doug has been teaching, Colossians is a young church uh, full of new believers. And Paul, who is an apostle, is you see his apostle's heart, his father's heart coming through in what he's writing. As an apostle... His ministry is one of laying solid foundation, of one of making sure that the church is built on the solid foundation, on the cornerstone, which is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And Paul is saying to these young believers, he gives them his mission statement. And if, if he had a mission statement, if he ever said one, this is what I think it is. Um, he says to them, he says that it's, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I think Paul's mission, what really got him up in the morning, I mean, so the brother's in jail right now, right? He's in jail writing this letter. So you know he's motivated. If you won't let him out, he's gonna still get the message out through a letter. And this message is, I want you to become mature in Christ. I don't want you to stay as babes. I don't want you to stay as new believers, but I want you to grow up in Jesus. That word mature comes from the Greek word telos, which means to flourish. And in Paul's time and even before, the philosophers, they talked about flourishing. 
And what they meant by flourishing, we would probably said today as how to reach your potential, how to maximize your life. That's what it means to flourish, how to be the best you that you could possibly be. And this was a topic of conversation for the philosophers that they had this whole discourse on flourishing, what it meant to reach your full potential, what it meant to, to be you to the fullest. And Paul is saying, listen, this is my heart is to tell you how to flourish. Now, if any of you are like me, you like to go to bookstores and just look and maybe even purchase uh, a few books, but there's a, a huge section on self-help and spirituality, all kinds of spirituality books that promise to tell you how to maximize your potential, how to flourish as a human being. And Paul's concern for this church is there's so many ways out there that it's possible that they could be led astray from Christ. And Paul says, I want you to realize that the mystery that's been hidden for all this time, it's been made known in Jesus. Now, this word mystery is a unique word. It doesn't mean something that's not known or something that's unknown. It means something that is partially known or partially revealed, meaning that you have a little bit of it, but you don't know fully what it means. And you kind of get this sense if you've read through the Old Testament, you can find prophecies that were spoken about the one to come, the Messiah, uh, the coming king, the promised one. And you see these glimpses that it was like, oh, wait a minute now. This is not just average words. They're, they're talking about somebody. When they talk about the Prince of Peace, wait a minute, this is somebody's coming. He's not here yet. He's on the way. There's even one in Genesis right after Adam and Eve uh, sin in the garden and God is giving them the consequences of their actions. He then has this word for the serpent who represents the evil one. He says that you will bruise the woman's, the, the woman's seed. You will bruise his heel and he will crush your head. And you look at that and you're just like, oh, okay, okay. But whoa, stop. Wait a minute. That's something there. That's mystery. Something is partially revealed, and there's more to that. How many of you have ever seen the movie The Passion? In the beginning of that movie, there's a scene where the actor who's portraying Christ is walking, and as he's walking, you see a serpent, and his heel crushes the head of the serpent. Well, that, the, the producer of that movie is picking up on the prophetic utterance that happened there in Genesis and saying, wait a minute, you know, the enemy strikes Jesus on the cross and, you know, the enemy thinks he's won because he crucifies the son of God, but he really doesn't know that in Jesus's death, Jesus is dealing him a death blow. And see, that's what we mean when we talk about mystery. It's, it, it was partially made known, but in Christ now, it's fully known. To help you get at that a little bit more, the writer of Hebrews starts off Hebrews saying this, saying, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his son. He's spoken to us, you know, in, in mystery by these prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken one word over all of our lives. And that word is Jesus. If you want to know what he thinks about you, you want to know what his plans for the world, for the cosmos is, it's Jesus. Jesus really is the answer. And in Jesus, the mystery of God's plan is revealed. But I'm afraid that many of us, we start out well, but we don't go far enough. So let's say I invited you to my house for dinner and you rung the bell, ding dong, come to the door, say, hey, how you doing? Hey, thanks G for having me over. You know, I'm, I'm ready, man. I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. And I say, okay, you know, my family's all at the table. Come on in. And you walk into the entryway and you get ready to come in. And I just say, oh, stop right there. You stand in the entryway. And I'll leave you in the entryway. And me and my family are at the table enjoying the meal. And you're still in the entryway. And you're like, hey, you going to give me something to eat? No, 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 just stay there. Stay in the entryway. You would be offended at me. You would be upset and it wouldn't be long before you turned around and walked out of the door. Well, I think that many of us in the faith, you know, we say the password. Yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I choose you to be my savior. We get in the entryway and we think that's it. And we don't know that in God's house, or if I could say in God's mansion, there's so much room there. So much more that he has for us, but we're content hanging out in the entryway. And he wants us to come to maturity realizing, I've done so much for you. So much for you. And there's so much that I want you to receive. You got to come on in the house. Start to look around and see what I have for you. God has done so much for us in Jesus. The Bible says that if God gave us his son, won't he freely give us all things? So you can clap for that. So if I was standing here and you saw me just jump and I leaped and I landed all the way over here, first of all, you'd be like, man, that brother can jump. <laughs> it really is true. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but joking aside you it wouldn't be a question in your mind if I could jump from here to here right that would be a no-brainer well think of this God has done the big thing in sending his son to die for us he's done this all of this stuff in between here is nothing for him. What won't he do for you since he's given up his son for you? God's mystery revealed in Jesus. In Jesus, God has taken our sin away from us. He not, he not only just dealt with sins, he dealt with sin. 
Not just sins, but sin. What do I mean? There's a difference between sins and sin. Sins are the specific actions. Yes, we know that his blood cleanses us and he forgives all of our sins. But sins, those actions are are the outgrowth of a condition called sin. When the Bible talks about sin, in the Hebrew, it gives a word picture. And that word picture is to miss the mark. It is that of an archer shooting an arrow at a bullseye, at a target. But it's not just shooting it and missing it. It's actually that we're aimed in the wrong direction. (laughs) And so we have no possible way of hitting it in our own strength. But in the mystery of Jesus, this God-man who is somehow fully God and fully man, he's so much God that he has the potential to save. He's so much a man without sin that he has the ability to atone for our sins. And so in Jesus, when we repent or put our faith in him, we are now turned back and aimed towards the target. And it's not enough just to say, hey, I'm just going to turn around. No, there's a target that God has for you. That now in Christ, he can unleash you for that thing. That God has everything that you need. He has big plans for us all. Big plans. And when you say yes to Jesus, that's a big yes. But it's only the beginning. There's so much more in store. So, Paul, this apostle saying, hey, I want you to come into maturity. There's no reason at a person's my age that I should be eating with a baby's bib and my wife should be feeding me dinner every, you know, like a little baby spoon, paran my food up. No, I should be able to handle steak now. I should be able to handle solid food now. And if I wasn't, either that would be a medical condition or you all would just be saying, hey, that, we need to pray for pastors, something going on. Well, we need to move to maturity in Christ. We need to move from being a babe, an infant, a toddler, a child, a teen, to full adulthood, where we are fully functioning in Christ. You notice when he talks about this mystery of who Jesus is, he says, I want to make known, he says, God chose to make known among the Gentiles the riches of the, of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That should blow your mind. I mean, think about it. It's the, the Christmas story is magnificent enough that the uncontainable God would be contained in a woman's womb. You know, that's, that's mind-blowing enough. But then, you know, this God, when you look in the Old Testament, he allowed his presence to dwell in the ark. He allowed his presence to dwell in temples. That He says, where's the house you will build for me? 
but he wants to dwell not in a temple or a building made out of brick and mortar. He wants to dwell in a house of living stones that he makes his home in us, his body. How magnificent is that? That Christ, the Lord of the universe, says, I want to make my home in you. So like Paul, when you are living for him, there is such energy in you to do what you're called to do that it's not yours, it's his. The scripture says, if the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that it's gonna give life to you. See, that's what's available to us in Christ. Last night, I um, used an analogy and I was kind of wavering if I should use it here today, uh, but I will, I'll take the risk. Many of us treat Jesus like a side piece. Now, some of you are laughing and some of you are like, a side piece, what's a side piece? No, it's not a biscuit that you get with the chicken or it's not the, the Cajun rice. It's not a piece of furniture, even though that could be considered a side piece. And it's not a firearm that you carry on your side. Someone informed me that's just a piece. <laughs> but a side piece is if you are a man or a woman and you are in a committed relationship, supposed to be, supposedly a committed relationship, you are having a fling with someone on the side. And the fling is called the side piece. So now you've had a little bit of slang education, you know, <laughs> side piece. And I think that many of us, we start out, you know, like, okay, man, I'm going to pursue God. And then we set him to the side and we go after other things. And I don't want you to hear any condemnation in that because God is not about condemnation. But God is so faithful that he's pursuing you and he's saying, hey, you gotta make me the main dish, the only dish. I am the only one who can put you on the path that you need to be on. He's not a side piece. He says that here in the second chapter, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for all those at Laodicea, for all who have not seen me face to face. He says, I, I wanna see you face to face because I want you to meet me. There's some things I wanna help you. He says, but more than that, I want your hearts to be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is in Christ. Now listen to this. In whom, talking about in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now before it was Jesus who was the mystery, only partially known in the Old Testament. But now he says, hey, this mystery is revealed. It's Christ. But in Christ, there is all this rich, wisdom and knowledge that we haven't yet tapped into that's available. 
He's saying, I want you to live with that kind of assurance that what you need is in Christ. And as John said this morning, that you are chasing so much after God that you're pursuing him saying, God, I want to know you more. And see, this wisdom and knowledge is very different from the wisdom and knowledge of the world. You know, the wisdom and knowledge of the world, it, it sounds good sometimes. Some good theories, good philosophies. But if you've known anyone who are engaging in these type of philosophies, they're always searching for the new thing. You know, I'm like, oh, you know what? I got this kind of truth. I got this kind of knowledge. I got this kind of knowledge. I got this kind of facts. You know, I, I got this. I got that. And it's like they're forever learning but they're never coming into the knowledge of the truth. They're forever pursuing something deep, something uh, conceptually invigorating, but it's, they're never ever able to embody it. But not so with Jesus. Because the type of wisdom that he gives us is not just philosophies that are far out, but it is truth living truth that is found within the person of Jesus. See, when we talk about knowing Jesus, we don't just talk about knowing about him. Like I could say, oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, hey, G, you know, um, you know Isaiah Thomas? Oh, yeah, I know Isaiah Thomas. He went to my high school back in Chicago. Yeah, I know. Yep, he used to play for St. Joe's. Yeah, then he went to Indiana. He played college. Then, unfortunately, he left Chicago, played for Detroit, you know, and... Won some champion. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But he played for, you know, the Pistons, and they won some championships. And you'd be like, oh, man, when did you meet him? Oh, I've never actually met him. I just know a lot about him. But with Jesus, we have the ability to know him. And because we know him and we are knowing him, something happens to us that we begin to become transformed. See, Jesus, he just didn't teach. He just didn't talk. He just didn't drop knowledge. But he just didn't teach the word, but the scripture says that Jesus is the word. That he is the word manifested in the flesh. And so when we come to Jesus, when we are in relationship with Jesus, whatever is on him comes upon us. That we begin to find ourselves not just talking about this truth, but as we talk about, as we meditate on it, we slowly begin to find ourselves transforming and changing. And your spouse begins to say things to you like, honey, you're so nice. <laughs> People you work with, they begin to say, man, that's, you, you're just like joyous all the time. What's going on with you? People begin to say, you know, I, I thought I knew you, but the you I knew wasn't so loving. But this new you, something's going, something is going on there. And you could tell them, the old me has been crucified with Christ. That old person is gone, but the new me is alive in Christ. Last night, I mentioned that there were only two men that ever lived. There was Adam and Jesus. 
Scripture calls Jesus the last Adam. It said, in the first Adam, all die. But in Christ, all are made alive. See, we have the ability to flourish. Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. But Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God. Where Adam and Eve left off, Mary, with her yes to God, gave birth to the God-man who lived a life of yes to the Father, who took our sin to the cross, was buried, rose, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now he sends his spirit into the heart of ordinary men and women who, by his spirit, live an extraordinary life. This is the power of the gospel. Paul says it this way, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. See, salvation is the way that we can flourish. Oh, there's good stuff that happens after we die. But that goodness is, in breaking, is breaking in right now while we're alive. And there's some extraordinary things. This life is so good, why wait till you die? But we are the kind of people that live as, hey, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth before I get to heaven. <laughs> Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Won't you stand to your feet? Stand, you can stand and join me. Maybe you're here this morning and you you're saying, look, I know I'm aimed in the wrong direction and I need to about face. I need to turn my life around. And I know that Jesus has already made a way for me. I'd love for you to come down here up front. There are people who are waiting to pray with you, to agree with you, to help you make it right with God because God has already made it right. He's just waiting for you to say, hey, here I am, just as I am. A friend of my wife's and I, he always says, just come clean dirty. Don't, don't, don't try to come get cleaned up before you come because you'll never come. <laughs> just come on the way that you are. Maybe you're here and you're just saying, God, I need a breakthrough. There's some things I'm wrestling with. It could be in your physical body. It could be in a relationship. It could be in your mind. See, he's already done the big thing, right? He's already done the big thing, so don't think that any request is too big because if it ain't bigger than God giving his only begotten son on your behalf, then it ain't a big question. But just come and receive what God has for you. There's these people here are praying for you. They pray for you before the service. They're praying for you during the week. They're praying that God's best would be released in your life, and that's the heart of the Father. So please don't leave without the opportunity of being prayed for. If you want it, it's here for you to come and receive. But let me pray this blessing over you. Father God, I thank you for what you have done on our behalf through Jesus. Thank you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That you have reconciled us to yourself and to each other through Christ Jesus. May we be the kind of people who move 
from babes to mature men and women. May we go on to be all that you've called us to be. And Father, I pray that any obstacles that are in our way, that you would expose them and remove them so that we can pursue you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Father, I pray that your presence would go with us from this place. I pray that you would uh, just surprise us with reminders of your faithfulness. And I pray that we would see your goodness this week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. God bless you.